1: They're friends in Christ. There was one summer where a a man spent a day on the beach out in Jacksonville, Florida. And the undertow was unusually strong. More than once, lifeguards had jumped down from their towers to rescue swimmers from that treacherous surf. And finally, the, the man went to the lifeguard station to express his appreciation for the dedication of these men. And when he walked into that station, he saw a sign there with big red letters. And it said, In doubt, go. And the man thought to himself, Those same words should be on the walls of every church and also on the walls of every person's soul. Last week, I had focused on getting the message out. As we looked at the need to share that gospel of Jesus Christ with others. That message so important to us because of Christ's death and resurrection. Why wouldn't we want to share that great news with others? Well, sometimes people have doubts. They say, well, I don't know if I can do it. Well, in order to go, knowing how to get the message out is key. And if we are to do it effectively, it takes more than our own efforts. As St. Paul wrote to the people in Glossy, he wrote from jail. And he considers his life worthwhile even as he suffers for Jesus Christ there. And from jail, he commends the Colossian saints for their faith in Christ and also for their love for all the saints. If we want to get the message out here, it really involves a gospel-centered life. It's a life of hope for the riches that are stored up for us in heaven. It's a life that is centered on Christ being our Lord and Savior. Paul says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. And when the Christian life is placed alongside the false teachings of those who taught in Paul's day, There were some energetic claims that these false teachers had at times. And to some of the Christians there, they looked at the Christian life, maybe it's too reserved, maybe it's not very spectacular. And so the possibility of false teaching was entering the church. And in contrast to those false claims, the Christian life is a life about living which is worthy of the Lord. God never commands us to do something without giving us the necessary resources. And when we ask God for what we need, he gives us what we need. This is the whole point of verse 9 in Paul's letter here. There's no successful Christian living unless we pray as Paul prays in this verse too. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. And we continually are praying. We ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Our lives must be one of asking God to continually fill us with the knowledge of his will and to give us that spiritual wisdom and understanding that we get from his word. Notice how much God is giving us. He's filling us with himself. And the grammar that's in verses 9 through 14 here in Paul's letter, it indicates that God's amazing filling of his people really guides this whole section of Christian conduct. We have no success in our Christian lives unless God fills it, unless he fills us with his spirit so that we can live worthwhile and productive lives. God fills us with his power To be able to bear the fruit that God gives us through his spirit. And God fills us with strength so that we can have endurance and patience. And he also fills us with thankfulness. That comes with the knowledge of being children of the Heavenly Father. People who now live in the kingdom of his son, Jesus. And God wants you to know that what he expects from you is really well within your reach. Ask him, and he will fill you. He'll continue to fill you as you grow in your Christian maturity. And when we look at words like fullness and abundance and riches here, they have a special place in the letter to the Colossians. The false teachers, they were boasting that fullness and abundance, those are things that when you really immerse yourself in things that are apart from Jesus Christ, being really involved in traditions of that time. Our false teachers today, they're really no different. This world promises to give us good things. They say being religious can only take you so far. Or it's okay to be a Christian as long as you don't take it too seriously. They say buy a lotto ticket and fill yourself with the happiness that money brings. And we have songs that we know of too. Like, don't worry, be happy. And the Madonna classic, I'm a material girl. Well, they tell us, fill yourself with possessions, with self-indulgence. For the most important person in the world, you know who it is. They say it's you. Be economically productive. Fill yourself with meaning and then go out and spend and spend some more. If our world could rewrite verse 10 in Colossians chapter 1, it would likely read, Live a life worthy of the federal treasurer and please him in every way. Or live a life worthy of your self-centered ego and please it in every way. Living by the gospel of Jesus Christ, on the other hand, we know that God is recreating us as he fills our lives with meaning and truth which enable us to know life in its abundance and a full and complete life with faith in Jesus. It's a life that's overflowing with good works in response to our faith. It's one that's growing in the knowledge of our God. It's very rare that God is going to directly communicate with us like through dreams or visions or special communications. We know that through his mercy He directly gave commands to Joseph after Jesus was born. And Joseph and his family, they were able to flee to Egypt, to leave Bethlehem so that their lives would be saved. And in Acts chapter 16, 9, God directs Paul through a vision of a man calling out, saying to Paul, come to Macedonia and help us. Paul wasn't planning to go that direction, but God is the one who interceded. For us, we rely instead on God's word, the Bible, for our direction as we make decisions that are based on wisdom. We see what's useful for the situation through what God can tell us. God will make it very clear one way or the other if we are to go a different way. Paul says elsewhere in Ephesians 2 we're God's workmanship. We're created in Christ to do good works which God has already prepared in advance for us to do. It is within our reach to live a life worthy of the Lord. And Paul also told the Philippians, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Of course, there are times when we're going to stumble. We're going to fall down. But we know that repentance is right around the corner. Living a life which is a godly life is hard work. And sometimes we know that it can be very difficult. We know we can't do it on our own. A life that gets the message out is bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit in every good work and growing in that knowledge of God. And this echoes the language of creation. Remember back in Genesis, God spoke to mankind, He says, Be fruitful increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And that wasn't going to happen without Eve, Adam knew. (laughs) What happens? The people soon spread out and they filled the earth. And now here we are. The same language that is being directed to the Colossians and ourselves. The call to be faithful. The call to be fruitful. To grow and to spread out. As Paul has already described in verse 6 there. That's a call to get the gospel message out into the world and fill the earth with good works. We do that because we are recreated in that image of God. Benjamin Xander tells the story of four young men who are sitting by their father who's on his deathbed. And the old man, with his last breath, tells them that there's a huge treasure in the family field. And the boys, they start crying out, Where? Where? But it's too late. The day after the funeral, and for many days to come, the young men would go out with their picks and their shovels, and they would turn the soil, and they would dig deeply into the ground from one end of the field to the other. And they find nothing. And being bitterly disappointed, they abandon the search. Well, the next season, the farm has its best harvest ever. Sometimes we don't see what that harvest is going to produce in our lives and what we do. But to be faithful to God, to do as he directs us, that is what he wants. What our human nature will often fail to do, we are able to do as the Spirit of God works in us. And as people respond to the gospel, a new creation comes into being. And we are a part of that new creation as we live in Christ. And there's no shortcuts to maturity. You know that it takes years to grow into adulthood. It doesn't just happen like that. And it also takes a full season for fruit to mature and to ripen. And the same is true for us as our Christian bearing fruit times that we are given. Bearing fruit, like physical growth, takes time. There's no shortcuts. As you grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus, you're going to learn to know God better and better. And as you do, you're going to do more things for his glory. Getting the message out is a high and sometimes very difficult thing to do as a calling. In verse 11, Paul reminds us that God gives what he commands. We're being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. We're being strengthened by God. And God's strength is continually available to all of his people. And although Paul doesn't say so here, we know from his teaching that It comes from an indwelling of the Holy Spirit as he lives in us. Do you know that that power that God gives us to do that, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It comes from God himself. The Christian life is anything but unspectacular. The power of the gospel within us, it's not always going to be like the power of an explosion. Sometimes we know that it can be quite the opposite. It can be a slow release. And as God's stirring us slowly in our hearts, we know that we can't underestimate the power that it gives us. Someone has said that if Christians fully understood what they have in Christ, we would have to place seatbelts in the pews. We'd have to do that in order to hold them down to keep order. Paul then says in verse 11, he says that as a result, we may have great endurance and patience. To have the greatest endurance and patience, in fact. We need so much of that in our lives. We need it with each other. And we also need that with God. And then Paul finally adds a word describing the Christian life. As we get that message out, he says do this. Give joyful thanks. And perhaps Paul is ending this way of giving the thanks, implying that what we have received is not what we've earned. It's a gift. And so the flip side of grace for us is thankfulness. It's a life overflowing with thankfulness that we have received so much of it, and we've received it not as a result of our own doing at all. We give thanks not for a fallen world that we live in, but for a world that is being renewed as the gospel bears fruit in this country and also around the world. We give thanks that though outwardly we are wasting away, and yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And as we're continually being renewed spiritually, We can give thanks for opportunities of sharing the gospel. And even as we sang in our last hymn, of sharing the burden for others. We give thanks, most of all, because our sins are forgiven. And in verse 12 puts it this way, he says, God's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light." And we give thanks for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, And he's brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins. The language of inheritance and forgiveness and rescue, it reminds us that we've been plucked away from being under Satan's rule and being slaves to him. And instead, we're free to live our lives in the kingdom of Christ. So, how do we get the message out? Well, we do it by bearing fruit. We do it by growing in that knowledge of God as we focus on his word for that direction. We do it by being strengthened with all of God's power through his spirit, and we do it by giving joyful thanks. With that, you don't need any doubts. Just go. This is not a fanatical Christian living Instead, it's a description of the normal Christian life as we seek to get that message out. It's a life that is worthy of the Lord, who gave his own life so that we may have life here and then life eternally. Knowing that, you can give joyful thanks always. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.